BetMGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet $10 on an MLB. MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the King of Sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire 7 days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Dunkin' Refreshers are the perfect way to get a little more out of your day. With more tropical flavors like new mango pineapple and more ways to get glowing. Available with green tea, coconut milk, or lemonade. You've got what you need to make the most out of every moment. Even the ones spent stuck in traffic. <sighs> what a beautiful day. Sip into all your favorite Dunkin' Refreshers like new mango pineapple. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Additional charges may apply. Hi, this is Jim, the Keys Bartender. This is all right. You don't have to stop. Keep on doing what you're doing. This is episode 200. And I think the title for episode 200 being... 200. 200. I think this title is 200. 200. Exclamation point. Two, fucking 200. This is fucking 200. Yeah, but we're not making a big deal because you know what? Until we get to 500, eventually we're going to... I mean, my idea is to do like three to four episodes a week. We're going to do 200 episodes a year. But this is yeah. the first. I mean, I think this year, with 200, reaching 200, I think I can literally get, I'm going to try to blow off, I'm going to piss off some C-list celebrities. Uh, Polly Shore, uh, Screech, Screech from uh, Say Bye to Bell. Uh, maybe, uh, who's, who's, the, uh, who's the guy that was in, uh, who was Urkel? Urkel? We could get Ur- Urkel. Urkel. Um, who's that guy? Stefan. <laughs> Who was the guy that played Chachi? Scott Bayo. Scott Bayo. I wouldn't have him on. He's a fucking jerk off. So, yeah. Fuck you, Scott Bayo. And that, maybe that'll be a <laughs> you, Scott Bayo. 200. Fuck you, Scott Bayo. Fuck you, Scott Bayo. Right. That sounds like a You're a hateful person. And I'm hateful for saying that. What a dick. I'm a, See, I don't care if I'm hateful. Fuck you, Scott. Bale. Yeah, fuck you, Scott Bale. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I think we're legitimately able to, I think in this, between 200 and 300, there will be a time we will be able to get a C-list uh, celebrity, which, oh, that may make it hard to get them. C-legs? They, a C-leg? C-list. C-legs celebrity. C-legs. So, so a celebrity that likes the water, like has C-legs? It was. could be someone from uh, uh, the Dangerous Catch. Oh, okay. Deadliest Catch. Deadliest Catch. You need so, uh, yeah, so to... Wild Bill. <laughs> Is Wild Bill still alive? Yeah, he comes in somewhere. Is he still alive? One of them died. One of them died. One of them died. You need to, you need to reach out to Dave Marciano. Oh, that's a D-list, I guess. Oh. I never heard who's yeah. that. No, from that t- the TV show about the, the tuna... Wicked Tuna. That's D-list, buddy. I mean, if you don't know, if you weren't on a popular oh, show, Scott Bayo was on Happy Days. Yeah, but he's a douche. He's a douche, but if you're on a show that only a small amount of people, Wicked Tuna. Wicked Tuna. Wicked Tuna. Okay, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't even put him in a, I wouldn't say C or D. They are A-list in the fishing world. How about that? You like it? Let's get the A-lister from the fishing world in. Yeah, that's A-list from the fishing world. Or John Tafford is... John Taffer, the guy from Bar Rescue, he's A-list from the service industry. And the, uh, the asshole English guy. I just want to jump back. Who's the asshole English? You know what I'm talking about? That, that, that dick. Oh. That I'm a, I'm a stupid sandwich. Yeah, I'm a Gordon stupid sandwich. Ramsey. Who would fucking do that to a human yeah. on television? Gordon Who the Ramsey. fuck would do that? Yeah. I'm an asshole. You know what? I'll go, I'll go and say it. It's not if they, I'm not going on a limb. He's a douchebag, too. And then he goes and be sweet. he's really sweet to other people. And these people, no, no, no. But think about it. Think, think about it. No, these people 
come on the show to become, to be elevated. And they go, well, you know what? I get to humiliate you. And he, you can point out, you know, Simon Cowell, who's a total douche. Keep talking, people are hearing. No, no, I'm just hearing someone. It's a, um, we should get a microphone over there, for a peanut gallery one. That would be good. Have sister come over and sit in your seat. Sit over there, yeah. Yeah, go over and sit down. Uh, come up, bring your seat over here, the high seat. Simon Cowell can be a douche. No, he can be, but sometimes he, he doesn't. The person usually humiliates themselves on it by doing the performance, right? Think about it. Someone do, does something stupid. They go up there and they sing a song dressed up like a crocodile or something like that. Right. And, and roller skates. And well, then go and say, then, no, 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 because they did. Now, the person on Gordon Ramsay's show, they believe they're great chefs. And they're there because they were good chefs. They're, they're recognized for being good chefs at where they are. At where they are. Now, it may not be at uh, a New York, uh, you know, uh, three-star uh, Michelin Guide, right? Is that the highest one? Three stars? I don't know. I think three stars is the highest. It's not as high as you think. It's not five stars. No. I know it's not five stars. I think it's three. It I think three stars. It, but but they're in their pond that they're in. They're the big fish. But they go on there and they humiliate them in the career they've chosen to humiliate them and say, you are horrible. You're an idiot. What the fuck do you think you're doing? I mean, is that when did teaching or instructing well, become that some basic like that? TV. He is a product of reality TV. No, that's not what he's. Be- it's what. It's what entertainment has become. Yes, we have an expectation. Listen, if Gordon Ramsay, with his English accent, and Americans, two things about English accents: one, you believe them. Yeah. Two, we expect them to be bad guys. Just think of the movie industry. If you have an English accent, like a German accent, either you're going to be the, the, the secret agent, or in some American movies, you're going to be the villain. James, James Bond wasn't the... Uh, no. James, James, James Bond wasn't. Production. <laughs> of course not. It wasn't? Okay. But, oh, and in American movies when they American use English movies. Right. Oh, so, like, what's his name? So uh, Gordon Ramsay hits the circuit, right? So he's yeah, if they're English, show. they're the killer. And uh, so he has this English accent. And he's supposed to be a highbrow because we, we, Americans ex- expect English to just know more than us. That's why we consider them more trustworthy when they sell us shit. And then, who's that ratings. guy? Who's that? There was a, there, there was a guy on the uh, the commercials that would do uh, With the blue shirt. Yeah, he, yeah, he died. Not Billy Mays. You're talking to someone else. There was another guy. Wasn't it pre-Billy Mays? Oh, you're pretty, yeah, okay. I remember that guy. The ShamWow guy? ShamWow guy. No, that guy was, was an American. Guy. He was an American <laughs> whoremonger. He was, he was a fucking... He was a slut slut magnet. As he was, I think I'd have done him. He's a slut magnet. He was going like this. He got, an argu- he, got, he, got a, he got an argument with a prostitute. Oh, he was a mess. Yeah, he was a man. He was a man. Oh, it's made by the Germans. You know it's got to be good. They make the best gas chambers. Too over, too soon? No. Okay, okay. I just went dead. <laughs> that was it. I'm just saying like this. You know it's got to be good. You know? <laughs> you know it's got to be good. It's got to be good. If they you know, no, he goes, they can make the trains run on time. But, you know, you got the contrast of diners driving this is, drive and the guy. This is Anna right here, Anna. Jenna's uh, sister. His big persona and all of the restaurants he visits. What's that guy's name? Guy Fieri. He's the guy who seems always coked up. He's got the spiked yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like this, he goes, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. This is great. I can eat a lot. No, whatever yeah, fucking thing. All the restaurants yeah, he high, visits, high energy. Yeah. They benefit. They are turning it over. Whereas Gordon is going into these places that are already... You know, probably close to bankrupt. Otherwise, why would you take the chance of having him come in? You know, or, or you're giving me an idea right now. I'm getting the lights going off in the top of my head. Uh-oh. Pull I saw. Off, I know. Did, I know. Listen to this. I saw a show, P- Dr. Pimple Popper. It's about a dermatologist. She's awesome. No, no. Okay, no, no. But think about it. What are the other medical fields that they explore? Gynecologist? Think about that. Dr. 
bigger pimple. Oh, gay, the gay gynecologist. A gay gynecologist. Gay, but. All right, sweethearts, open your legs. No, no, do this. Or how about a proctologist? How about a proctologist? A proctologist? A proctologist. And go like this, and you're just going in there. He says, I'm using the big probe. I'm going in. Oh, that sounds like my priest growing yep. up. Why are both your hands, why is your either hand on, my, on either you side need of me? You that much lube for both yeah, your yeah, hands. Yes. What are you doing? I'm sorry. What are you doing? Oh, and you're crying in the corner afterwards. No. That'd yeah. be 14 head of marriage. Oh. oh, you're a wonderful boy. Yes. No, but there's all sorts of things they have. They did the, um, on HBO, they used to have the uh, Bunny Ranch. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Bunny Ranch, and went there. They did drug dealers on... Um, have you been in the Bunny Ranch? Have you ever? Out in Vegas? No, I've never been there. I have. I don't want to say anything, you know. That's one thing I don't want to talk about. I, I, I don't want to... I, I, I refuse to answer a question that it might tend to incriminate trigger, me. Trigger a guilt response? Not a guilt response, because if I didn't say it, it's not a guilt response. <laughs> Well, I have nothing to be ashamed of. I went, and I was fascinated at how that place worked. Were there attractive women in there? Some. They ranged from... Uh, Give me a rank. One to ten. Oh, there were... Uh, sixes to ten? Sixes no, no, to nines? No, there were two tens. Two tens? There oh, were two tens in there. Two tens. The rest say, were eights and I'd nines? i say everyone else was way behind. And there's, you know, some sevens, a bunch of sevens and sixes. Uh, and then a bunch of uh, three, two, Oh, my ones. God. Threes, twos, and ones? But wait. What'd you have? Like, twos and what ones. was the one? Was it over? We're in their 50s and 60s. They were pregnant. They were elderly. Older women, not elderly. Older women. Oh, were they there, like, for, like, uh, first-timers? Like, they were, like, 40 they, bucks? Listen, there's a lot of young guys that like, well, they have, they have a, a senior fetish. They like older women. Like some guys. Wait like a children. second! I wouldn't automatically call an older woman a one. No, they were ones. You oh, had go, you had to be. There. Wait a one! Wait a second! They were well per- worn. They were. Uh, I said three twos and ones, but they were normally the older women. And, really? Uh, yeah. But it, but how far out of Las Vegas profession. is it? Uh, a little bit. It's the next exit. That's got its own exit off the highway. Oh really? We see next exit like two miles, three miles. I forget the miles. It's, no, it seemed a little more than that. 10, 15 minutes? It's outside the city limits because it's illegal to do it in the city limits of Las Vegas. You know, it's funny because Vegas was originally like a Mormon town. You know that. Back in the 40s and all that stuff, it mainly had a high, high Mormon population. I think they done fleed. I, no, I, I think they did too. But there was, uh, I guess, when agriculture, no pun intended, dried up that day, you know, when... Uh, Oh, God, whatever the name of that Jewish guy showed up that brought... Oh, it was a Jewish gangster who brought it to... Oh, Siegel? Yeah, Bugsy Siegel. Bugsy, no, Bugsy Siegel was in New York. I don't think he was around... Was, it was he around in the 50s? It was connected to Sinatra and all of that. No, no, but that was later, and then the, the, uh, they came that in. Was all no, 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 but I think in the beginning... Uh, yeah, it could, very well could be. I, I'm going to have to do a little research on that. It's the character Robert De Niro played in Casino. No, but that was already established when he showed up there. I mean, you uh, mean like Las Vegas the when a uh, uh, brainchild of did, no start gambling? They needed revenue. You know, when whenever gambling is introduced in the United States, at least, especially in those towns where the unincorporated territories of uh, the gold rush and all this stuff, they uh, set up towns to uh, you know provide services. There was. Uh, Gambling establishments, I mm-hmm. mean, the whorehouses, gambling establishments, restaurants, hotels, uh, hardware stores. I mean, you see a show like Deadwood. That wasn't, they didn't pick those businesses because that would be the most ideal characters to put in there. That's what the miners wanted when they in there. They go out there and they're, they're spending all this time digging and all that stuff. They want to come into town and in order to fleece them, you got to have women, you got to have booze, and you got to have gambling. And then, obviously, there are some guys there. They need shovels and picks and pans and all that stuff and lumber for building uh, their their mines into the side of mountains and stuff like that. So that's, I mean, gambling always falls into when there's no law gambling came into. But when you have control of the legislator, and Nevada was a relatively small state, was became uh, came to statehood right after, in early in the 1900s. 
and I, th- I think it was pretty early in the 1900s. So they think about Nevada. What is there in Nevada? Uh, a lot of sand, not a lot of agriculture. You had a lot of uh, Indian reservations and stuff like that. And now we give, because of the guilt over how we handled the Indians, we're going to say, you know what? Here's a casino for you. Oh, we do that now. Here's a, yeah, here's a fucking casino. It's like, a, it's like one of those wealthy fathers to, to take care of the neglected children. Well, here's a Porsche for you, sweetheart. You know? Or, yeah, I'm never going to be around. I'm sending you to boarding school. I'll never uh, mess with you again. Take this. We are so sorry. This agreement is good until we decide to mess with you again. Yeah. That's so that's what gambling. Gay, that's the gambling. But in Nevada, they did it as a revenue. Um, they made it into a gambling mecca. They just said there was no virtually no uh, legitimate gambling in the United States. There was no table games and stuff like that. You hear about Monte Carlo it was in Europe and all that stuff. You had riverboat gambling and stuff like that. I don't know how they got away with that sometimes, but that gets the 1800s gambling. They said, wait a second. There's been gambling in the States since, the, since before the States. I know, but it wasn't, I know, but it wasn't, it wasn't set up as a, a monopoly. A monopoly where you had companies come in. You could just go up and down the river and do that stuff, the riverboat gambling thing. That, that was a thing of the 1800s with steam power. Um, obviously, there's, you know, the policing was slipshod, uh, slapshot, whatever you want to call it, because of the communications you had available to you at the time. You, you know, people didn't call, you know, say they suspected that there was a poker game over here. Or I think they called it Pharaoh, which I didn't know exactly what that was. Pharaoh. Never heard of it. Oh, Pharaoh. Well, in the 1800s, they called it. They had a game called Pharaoh, and it was a uh, um, a card game. And then poker, poker came along, and things like that. But Nevada, uh, Las Vegas, was the first place where they centralized it and made it. That was a place you went to gamble. Yeah, but we they- had everything. They had uh, sports betting. They had uh, uh, slot machines, table games, craps. Well, that came with the master plan of, of mob control to, to unify that for their, for their personal profit, and then they'd skim off and the launder. top and launder, and it was just, it was part of the organized Well, 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 I don't know if they, I don't know if they, can, I, I know they, they pushed it in there as a revenue, uh, revenue source for the state. Of course they did. They had to get they, did, they did get it for the state and they, they bribed the people for that but they legitimately, the people in the state said, well this makes a lot of sense we, we, can, we can generate some income from it but they didn't realize the depth at which the people were going to um, take rob out them. of it. Rob them of the profits. Of they, still made, they still made money. The people in the state, they had jobs. They had casino jobs. Yeah. There were high-paying casino jobs uh, and things like that. And I and would if, say they were probably somewhat anesthetized to the, 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 just how devastating the crime of, of what was going on was because at the end of the day, state's still making money, right? Yep. But all of that should have been taxed. I mean, it was just nothing. And then it's what that money went to. It didn't stay in... in, in no, it went back east. It, it went, went to Kansas went to City, Chicago. Chicago. Went to, uh, well, I think Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City well, was Kansas City was You're the right. first one, and then it split off and went to uh, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, and then it started to def- um, when they started instituting um, Atlantic City and it, the Indian casinos started coming. The Indian casinos are interesting when it comes to that because they're extra tour tour extraterritorial rights that it was hard for the uh, Cosa Nostra to get into that because they had their own police force, they were federally protected and things like that. To be able to get on there, they had their own police force. They didn't have to. You know, if someone said, we have, we, if we, they had the money, uh, if they were generating Indians or generating income, we said, well, we have the money, we can hire whoever we want inside to be our protection you come into our place it's our rules they can do what we can do whatever we want right that includes their, it's their own jurisdiction yeah and, and we will put police in, force they can imprison their the courts court. they have the agreements with the local uh, uh, state's attorneys so that they can charge transfer to jails uh, they can do their 
they do all those functions because they're a sovereign entity within yep. the United States. Uh, Which I don't begrudge them. No, of course not. No, uh, it, it, it has devastated, though. It seems to have devastated the... Um, the remnants of like the Seminoles and stuff like that. It's some of them have done well with themselves. They've 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 used the money to educate themselves and think, and buy businesses. Some of them, uh, I think, the Seminole tribe is one of the most successful tribes in the United States. Not just in making money from gambling and its other investments that it, it has made. It's not just the investments it's made outside. Yeah, outside, the outside, outside. It's the investment in in. They're people. They're people. So Miccosukee and Seminole, they're essentially, they're, we'll call them cousins. Yes. They're Native American tribes um, in Florida. Uh, the Miccosukee are a distinct branch of the Seminoles um, that during the Indian Wars, they fled into the Everglades, and, and pretty much there they stayed. Th- those are your Miccosukee okay. uh, Native Americans. Okay, so both... Uh, is that the one that I saw in the Revenge of the Nerds too? I don't know. I where the, I no the, the where the cool uh, fraternity guys pretended to be Seminoles, and they were kind of like in the Everglades. I think they were in Lauderdale, and they took them into the Everglades. So uh, they were supposed to be Seminole, but they were in the Everglades. No, so no, that would be in the Mikisuki. Wait, no, okay, no, I just no, took it no, up. No. The Seminole tribe and Gilbert uh, is such a vast tribe that there are many other swampy areas in Florida that Seminoles in, inhabited. So, okay, yeah, it's not just, but Mick, the Miccosukee tribe fled deep into the water in the Everglades to avoid the army. Yes. Okay, that's why they ended up in the swamp. It, okay, so both tribes have casinos. Both tribes, when they first started doing this, uh, even before they had a, just like many Native American reservations, had a horrible drug problem, a horrible alcohol Drinking alcohol, problem. yeah. So the, for a short time, the casinos exacerbated that problem because they all get a share of the profits. Yeah, they get an income. They have a... A substantial one. And I guess that's what they call the... Uh, we're probably, we should probably pause at this. The, the the nascent beginnings of a uh, along with the, uh, Alaska the UBI the universal basic income where theirs is like seventy thousand depending on that but we're gonna let's pause right now and take a pee break and all that yeah well it's almost in every every place like at Fox um, the one up in Connecticut the biggest casino in the United States we'll talk I actually know why so Wait, we'll you know why oh let's talk about that. Whether you're one of our regular visitors to the Florida Keys or you can't wait to visit for the first time, you'll want to stay up to date on everything that's going on in the Florida Keys to learn all the secrets, tips, and the stuff we don't talk about to anyone but each other. Visit 43keys.com. Sign up for our newsletter and never miss any of the exciting things we have planned for you. That's 43keys, the number four, the number three, keys.com. Hi, this is Jim, the Keys bartender. Uh, back at episode 200, I'm here with Papa Joe and Anna. She took a pee break. She'll be back. We were talking about uh, Indian casinos, how they provide income for uh, down here, especially for uh, the Seminoles and the Miccosukee, which is an offshoot of the Seminoles or a subset or a... Yeah, I always refer to them as cousins. Yeah. Um, they're clearly a, a branch off of the Seminole tribe. The, the Miccosukee and the Seminoles are the ones. It's funny. We mentioned this before. They have a almost somewhat a lock on tiki, tiki building down here. Ah, it's because of why, do you think? Uh, the, the method they use to build it. Not at all. No. The, the, the materials they use. Oh, it comes from? Cypress trees. Oh, cypress trees? Okay. So in order, the, the largest growth of cypress trees, you need a swamp, right? Yep. Mostly a swamp. You need wetlands. Yeah. And most of that falls under their reservation. So they have uh, free access or easy access Oh, I thought cypress. it was because of their technique of building. No, the technique anyone could replicate. I mean, you, you know, someone who's good with wood can look at the... We're sitting under a, a tiki right it's now. It's beautiful. It is lovely, the and construction. And you got these two massive... 
Well, we should take. We got to take. We got to take some pictures. We got to take some pictures of this. But the cypress. The reason why they use cypress is because it just lasts forever. It's it's rot resistant. Like love. Like love. Like love. Like uh, uh, every kiss becomes. Now, if you're if you're not connected to a Native American tribe with access to cypress, you can duplicate that by using telephone poles. Throughout the entire structure. Yeah, but it smelled like creosote and all that shit. It would kind of smell funny. It wouldn't quite last as long, and it wouldn't be "quote unquote" uh, a native structure. Yes, well, they just have a method. That's an important qualification, by the way. Really? Yeah. It, it goes I'm looking for my. Um, we got to uh, get a picture. So we were talking about the UBI. The, uh, yeah. yeah the, like they came out with that along with Alaska when they had resources, like a relatively small population, but a huge pool of money. Right. So that's uh, what happens with the uh, the native tribes that were giving the. Um, uh, the I guess they call it the right to build casinos. Wouldn't they have the right if they have their own extraterritorial, ex, extraterritorial rights on their reservations, right? Yeah, it requires a pact with the state uh, of jurisdiction. So the Miccosukee tribe, for instance, yes, has a gambling pact with the state of Florida. As a sovereign nation, the, I, I don't know no. if they could simply establish gambling outside the pact. Uh, let's say the state didn't pass any yep. gambling or gambling expansion laws. I'm pretty sure, if my memory serves me right from working the legislature, that they could probably do gaming anyway. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what consequences they would. I think the federal government comes in and says they're the ones, I think, that says you, they need to have a pact with the state. It, it's a it's a very weird relationship. Um the reservation, they're, they're a sovereign nation. Yeah. And yet, um, you know, they still have all these regulations with re- uh, respect to the jurisdiction of the state and uh, Keep on talking. And the nation. Don't, so let that, don't be thrown off by the picture. He's taking pictures while I'm talking. Yes. I'm like, hey, should I smile? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you mentioned this, uh, what would you, what'd you call it, a universal? UBI. Uh, Andrew Yang, uh, one of the the Democratic uh, candidates in a couple countries in Europe and stuff like that, uh, came up floating an idea called a universal basic income. And people are afraid of it uh, 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 for many reasons and stuff. They think it'll uh, it'll, tamper down down innovation and incentive to work, to do stuff. And they think it's just something that uh, it's that, you know, but. But what happens, they do it. They do it in Alaska. They divvy up um, the whole state of Alaska gets it pretty decent. If you have, uh, let's say you have a little farm or a ranch, you do some hunting, you can live off. You get it quite, as a, as a resident of Alaska, with the, the oil. from the oil, the, the oil revenue they get. And uh, let's say you get some Social Security. You can live pretty high off the hog with uh, what they give you. And that's almost like a universal basic income when you talk about the people that are up there. Well, it's a... And then and when you come to talk about a, a tribe where people are, um, I guess it's called, it's not, it's a historical inequity. I can't believe I remember that. I'm able to remember a phrase that the way that Indians were treated, they were kept in, they were, think about it, the Sioux and... Anna's not here, but the Sioux on the Great Plains. And they'd hunt the, uh, the buffalo, right? They roamed the plains. And they were nomadic people, and they just go through. And then what happened is that the United States government's expanded through there, uh, taking in territory, starts you have ranchers come in. And, and, you know, it's a history of us taking property, not just for ourselves, but originally the guys that, uh, first started raising cattle, they used to do a free-range thing. So when they got rid of the buffalo, they brought in the cattle and started just herding them, taking them up the grasslands at different places, take them up, feed them up in the northern plains, and then bring them down to the railheads and ship them off to Chicago, where 
you had this uh, historically in the late 1800s, the greatest concentration of population in the United States was the central from Chicago on east. And Chicago was the meat processing center. And they ship all this beef over there. And you had this huge swath of land that used to be covered by the Buffalo and American, uh, American Indians. Uh, now, with the cattle, eventually then you had cattle ranches and stuff like that when they started the invention of bar- barbed wire and stuff like that. So uh, uh, private property comes into play and stuff like that. that and then people have the, a restriction. Concepts. No, restriction. Re- yeah, it's all restrictions. Uh, the way I view it historically is the people that got there first were able to get the property and get the capital. And then you had entrepreneurs that came in and stuff like that. They were able to build. They move it into towns. They build a general store and stuff like that. And they did a good job. And I'm not against any of that. But that land, if you think of private property, just because you got a deed to a land, but think about the great land rush. You run out and just, what, on a horse and all that, and you stake a claim to how many acres? 150 acres? 50 acres in a mule. Or something like, no, that, that was what they promised the slaves at the end of uh, the Republican Party, which was pro-abolition after uh, the Civil War, to get votes for the candidates were uh, suggesting that, listen, we're going to give you all 50 acres and a mule. Because what they had is all this land and say, listen, and started having all these people concentrated, these people they worried about. And there's all these free, free blacks for they were slaves. They wanted to get them out of that area because now they realized a lot of these counties and stuff like this in the South was heavily, more heavily African-American than they were um, white. So they would, um, if you looked at the... Uh, Right after, right at the beginning of Reconstruction, after the Civil War, there were a lot of black legislatures. There were a lot of black politicians, stuff like that. And then they started in the 1870s, stuff like that. They started enacting Jim Crow laws and stuff like that. Hey, historically, if you're a white supremacist, all you have to do to track what went wrong was in, I think it was either in the late 1500s or the early 1600s, when they started slave trading. And they started bringing them over here. They were against their will. You put a population over here, forced them to work. It wasn't to the, you know what? They didn't have a better life. They didn't have a better life over here. You don't have a better life when someone could put you to death for trying to leave service of someone. Take your children. Take your children. Own nothing. Split your, yeah, split you from your wife and stuff like that. That wasn't their choice. It wasn't a better life. And you instituted, you made an institution. Uh, they called it a peculiar institution. You tried to protect it. You lost. And it could have been for socioeconomic reasons, whatever. You know, it may not have been for the most progressive re- reasons up north where they did it. But... In the end, it was greed that began the problem, greed that continued it. And in the end, you get all pissed off at these people that were brought here against their will. And then you're trying to return them back, just trying to send them back. They've been separated, segregated from our population, but they've been segregated from their continent. So they're not have any idea, their great great grandchildren have any idea how to speak the language of their native land. You send them back. They're as every much American as you are. Of course they are. They're every much American as you are. Everyone here. We are a land of immigrants. And we came and we obliterated the native population here. We say Americans for America. That's the Seminoles, the Miccosukee, the Sioux, the Apache, and all those people. And they, listen, I'm historical and stuff like that. They used to slaughter each other, too. We just did it on a more methodical and grander scale because of the method, methodology that we had. And it, interesting. So if you just to get rid of your hatred and stuff like that, we took the land. We, we're the invaders. We're the home invasion. We're the people that you, the reason why you want to have your fucking uh, uh, Uzi in your house 
we're that person that, think of the United States as a house, right? And in the 1600s, we fucking ran in the house and said, you know what? It's our fucking house now. We're going to take everything in and we're going to take every, yes, what you have, we have now. It's ours. You're out of here. And if you don't agree with it, they kill you. All your arguments for home protection and all this stuff and not allowing immigrants in, we got here first. We didn't get here first. 12,000, 21,000 years ago over the land bridge, Asians came over and moved their way all the way down. It's the American Indians. There were invaders. The original Americans were the invaders. And then we were, there were just later waves of invaders. But we can choose to protect, treat them the way we want to treat. You could disagree with me. Stop. Don't subscribe to the show. I don't want you to listen to the show. If you can't see that, then you don't understand what. Dude, you can't have a conversation. You yeah. can't accept people at the right bar. If you come in a bar and an Indian dude walks in, a Pakistani dude walks in, a Chinese guy, Japanese woman, all this stuff, Muslim woman, Muslim man, uh, Buddhist. If you can't accept them for who they are, Get the fuck out. But based on tipping. I throw all of the fucking on tippers. I'll judge you for what you do or do not tip. I don't care what you are. Yep. Well, I don't believe they're evil when they do. You just cheap motherfuckers. No, they're not. And they're just weird. Uh, it's a, it's a, that there is a mental skill. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mental, cultural, societal, if that's the same thing. But... Uh, tipping. I mean, there's a. I don't get on. You know how you fucking mention it. Some dude comes in, and he has a progressive, multicultural uh, attitude because he happens to have a, a, a lovely woman of a. And I don't believe that there are separate races. We're all one human race, but to certain people, they may say they're two different races. And she's a beautiful woman. He's a handsome guy. I give him his military discount. He tips 10% of the discount. <laughs> of the discounted food. I didn't know we did a military discount and stuff like that. Fucking, I was in the military. Where's my discount? Can I get a 10% added because I was in the military? Can I get 10% more from you? Can I charge you 10% more? Where's my thank you? Thank you for your service. Well, fucking pay me for it. No, it doesn't matter. The reason most of the guys I worked with, and you're going to piss them, I'm going to piss someone Noah. They wanted to fucking kill somebody. That's it. It's a volunteer army. It's a volunteer army. The guys that were forced to serve, Vietnam, Korean War, um, World War II, World War I. I don't know if they had enough time during the Spanish-American War to do it because there wasn't a long enough lead time. They may have done it. The Civil War, they did. Conscription. Those guys didn't have to serve. They were made to serve. You volunteer. You volunteer. You want to serve. I'm sorry. You say you want to protect and stuff like that. That's what you do, and you don't bitch about it. It's like going to a job and bitching about your... I can't believe I'm... You, you work for a sanitation company... And you don't like to smell of trash? You're, why, are you working, why are you working there? Well, pays good. Okay. That's why you do it. In the United States, Trade. we don't have... We don't, we don't have a draft. And stuff like that. We'll give 10%. But do not give me this automatic worship. Automatic worship, something like that. you got to deserve. It is... A privilege to serve in the service. It's a privilege. And when you serve in there, you have to be, behave correctly. Not everyone does behave correctly. You know that, Papa Joe. They just did a big top-down review of the special forces. And there was a lot of shit going down in that. There was, some, there, was, uh, there was a couple trials that went on. There were murders going on. There was mistreatment of prisoners. There's, uh, there, there's theft. There's rape. Oh. That goes on. So we just got to be sure not to misplace our trust in any institution. We did it in the church. I'm a Roman Catholic. We did it in the church. And they gave them a big pass. 
A big pass. Why they're fucking kids. A big pass for years. And they're... Um, their authorities, their higher authorities, they chose to just shuffle them around. What were you going to say? Um, sense of entitlement when you have a vested authority in you. Yes. Whether you're a cop, a priest, you're in the military. Um, proper management of, of your personnel needs to constantly remind individuals you're only as good as your ability to serve those that your oath tells you to serve. Um, if, if it suddenly starts going to your head and little clicks start you know, evolving within the group and specialties, it comes up with specialties, so SWAT teams, special forces, the elites, the... Uh, little cliques, uh, certain parishes seem to have a higher incidence of pedophilia than others in this country. It was rampant in some and almost non-existent in others. So cliques start, start to evolve. Um, and you end up with this sense of entitlement that you're, you're owed. You're just owed. And I saw it on the police force. And Well, they have it, they have it in the Catholic Church. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And almost any authority. anything 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 you have an authority for, let's say, well, let's bring it to the restaurant industry. Right? You got a shitty job, you got a shitty boss, you got a um asshole customers. I can steal. I can drink. Even though you're not supposed to. You gotta take care of them. You gotta take care of the people in front of you. You have a fiduciary responsibility to your employer. If you don't like what they pay and how you treat you, you have a you are not an indentured service. No. You can leave. Automatic respect. Everyone should be treated with respect until they refuse um, their behavior deters you from delivering that respect. If someone is rude and obnoxious, yes, you can't. You can. You can refuse to obey an order. You can. You don't have an automatic right to tell someone to do something when you're rude to them and you call them a name and you treat them like this. Someone working really hard. Some black dude coming home and pull over and you're yelling at him to put your fucking hands on it and he's grabbing for his license. Okay, hold on. Stop yelling. Calm down. I understand. You need them to hear you. And then you got to watch your hands and stuff like that. But so many white people don't get shot. Fuck, they didn't kill that white guy um, in El Paso, did they? Nope. And in Philadelphia, I'll tell you one thing. That black dude that shot uh, six cops, I have to say they did the right. Those cops showed great restraint. He shot six police officers. And that guy survived. And they took him in. They negotiated with him. That was amazing. Those, those police officers, how much restraint after being shot? Now, listen, I wouldn't even understand that. I understand how that is. I know how it is. Just like disrespecting a parent. Think of how many parents. If you're a bad parent, you don't automatically. There's a lot of parents out there that are assholes that don't automatically deserve respect from their kids. They see what other parents do. They can see good parents. You may not be a good parent. I wager if you listen to this show, you're probably a good parent. Oh, I think they're a good parent. You'd be pissed off. You would have you already quit listening to this fucking show. Because I would have said you're a fucking asshole if you do this around your kid. Mm-hmm. If, you do, if you do openly do drugs um, or violent to other people, act like an asshole, you are a horrible parent. And go fuck yourself with Scott Bayo. Yeah. True. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. You're an asshole. I don't have a problem saying that. I'm saying it. And then they get angry and stuff like that. You can support whoever you want. I understand we got people that uh, some listeners support the president. I don't necessarily. I think he's disrespectful and he's an ignoramus. But you have what you believe. Now, as long as you're respectful of other people. If you think you have a right to disrespect someone, 
I did not say you have a right to disrespect someone. I said people don't automatically get respect. They get, I think they're always on some kind of um, probationary period when you run into them. When you, when you first engage with them, people are in a and you should treat them with respect until they show you what kind of person they are. And I'm not saying you're going to kick them in the dick or grab their vagina or punch them in the boob. Just that once they show you not, that they're, at, they're not a decent person, they're an asshole, they're going to be rude, don't give them a pass. Go, hey, that's enough. I don't have to hear anything else from you. I understand where you're coming from. And if they ask you more, and if they beg for the, why do you treat me like this? Well, I think you're obnoxious and rude, not deserving of regular intercourse, social intercourse, if you may. I mean, what do you think? I think we put up with too much uh, bullshit coming out of people's mouths. I think sometimes when someone uh, mouths off, we tend to think, well, that's none of my business. You know, if, if the bad parents... Let's go to parents and schools. So if the parents come in who want to tell the teachers about their beautiful child who should never be told he or she has done anything wrong, and the parents show up and uh, just absolutely put the screws to the teacher, uh, school staff should take what immediately, if it's undeserved, should immediately take whatever measures they must take to remove that child from that school. Yep. And, I mean, we all feel sorry for the kid, right? Because, But the kid's going to end up just like those parents. Y- you can't be here like that. This society sometimes doesn't say enough of that. We, we leave open the door to, well, it's none of my business. Um, you have to assert yourself. Yep. When it stinks, you got to say it stinks. Uh, and the converse, when it's outstanding, you need to say it's outstanding. Um, it all comes down to respect, like you said. If a parent, see my parents, the last, if a teacher said your son screwed up, which they did often, uh, my parents would say, thank you, we'll take care of this at, at home. There was no asking the teacher, well, what do you mean by that? It's, or it's your fault, or you need to do your job. No, no, my parents understood that teacher is doing his or her job, and I failed because the job of that teacher was to tell my parents he's failing here and so there was no doubt you know they, they weren't there to protect me under all costs even I, I think myself. there was a cultural uh, lag behind that because in when uh, universal education to, to through primary school occurred if you think in the 1800s a lot of people especially in rural they didn't make it past 6th grade and then they decided well, the key to success. Education, they already had more oh, no. than a tool. No, no, I understand that. I understand that. Yeah, but the, the, parents, yeah. the parents that were sixth grade and then having to work when they were young realized that the freedom for their children would be to keep on going to school and to listen to their teacher. And they gave, it, they gave that respect and they said, you're going to go to school and do that. And then what happened is when the parents got smart enough and they ended up graduating, it became their responsibility, along with the teacher, to go hand-in-hand and help educate the children. Before, some of these parents, even in some of these European countries, they, didn't, they, they started working at 8 and 10 years old. No, they didn't get it, high school education. They, some of them never went to school, the poorer people. But they put such a stock in education. You listen to a teacher, you listen, because they realize... That's it. it. And it hung over and realized it's their job. But once, you've ch- once the uh, parents were educated, it's also their job to participate, uh, participate in the education of yeah, their but children. Now the teachers want to, the, the, the parents are telling the teachers how to do their job. Yes. There's been a, and they get no support. In, in a, in a large way, there's no support from the Department of Education in the state on down. Oh, it's been it's been no gutted. It's gutted. Well, up. we got Betsy DeVos right now. Well, from, that's nationally. That's national. That's the national policy. National policy, but it comes from the top down. Yes, you have standards and stuff like that. Now we, we're coming to the end of the show, and I hate to uh, the, the, the cut that short because we're on the, almost 50 minutes. But I heard something that applies to this. Um. Power 
Great power without love is tyranny. And love without power is wishy-washy and sentimentality. Meaning, if you're just going to, you know, be tolerant and do these things without trying to do anything about it, you're wasting your time. You're just going to be a, a mat. So, <clears throat> what it, if you are a person that understands things and expects people to respect people, expect people to respect people then you have to stand up for what is right in this time. It's very important. I work with people that are from other countries and they came here to raise their children in the American way of life, work in jobs that other Americans will not do. Will not. They will not do. They're not capable. And their children are going to school and in general are behaving better than the children of parents. The ones I see getting in trouble have been American. Their their parents are American citizens and their children, and they were born American citizens. Their children are fucking spoiled brats. So we have to defend those people and their right to be here because we are a nation of immigrants. What makes us great is not your fucking going up to a rally and wearing your fucking red hat. And if you have a problem with that, that's fine. There's other stations you can listen to. You can listen to other podcasts. I'm sure there's people that tell you how great white people are for no reason other than being white. But it's the content of your character, not the color of your skin. It's not the job you have. It's what you do. Show me what you do, not what you say and how you behave. And you have to do this stuff. You have to do it. I'd like to say that at the end of the 200th episode. And I'll give you an amen. Okay. And a fuck you, Scott Bayo. Fuck you, Scott Bayo. Fuck you, Scott You are an asshole. And this is the 200th episode of Keys Bartender. We'll come to you. Uh, see you next week.